What's going on, world? Once again, it's your boy, Derek Dunn, back with the second episode for Throwback Reviews. Now, today, I'm going to take a look back at Mr. Albie Shore, Mr. One Long Eyebrow, Mr. Vicious Songwriter's third album that a lot of folks don't give enough credit to, and that's the Sexy Versus album that dropped back in 1992 when I was... 11 years old, showing my age here. My guest today is going to be my ace boom coom, my man Jarrell Mason from Beyond the Album Cover. So welcome to the line, music historian, new edition fan, all-around gifted brother, my man Jarrell Mason. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. Actually, this is a rarity for me. I'm used to asking the questions, so this is actually pretty fun. And you got me beat because I was seven when the Sexy Versus <laughs> album dropped. Yeah, man. You know, I don't even remember the Sexy Versus album from when I was a kid. Like, I don't remember any type of play on the radio. Truth be told, man, up until I became, you know, a music fan as an adult, I really thought, you know, Albie only had that one album back in 88. Like, you know, I don't remember the uh, Private Times and the whole nine. You know, I kind of wrote him off as a one-hit wonder, you know, when I was younger. But, you know, when I moved out at my mom's house and really started getting into music a bit deeper, that's when I discovered, like, yo, Albie had, like, you know, two other albums. This was before Honey, I'm Home. So this was, like, back in 04, 05. So shout-out to Albie Shore, man, for four quality albums, dope production. Um, yeah, you know, Albie don't really get enough credit. I think people kind of wrote him off as a one-hit wonder. He had more hits than, you know, night and day. Even going into the first album with, you know, my shit was naturally mine, uh, off on your own girl, if I'm not your lover. So let's get right into it. So, Drill, what do you recall about Albie Shore growing up and his music and how did it impact your life? Man, what I recall about I'll Be Sure is hearing night and day or pretty much every cut off of in effect mode played heavily on the radio, on Video Soul, Soul Train, and I pretty much glossed over the Private Times album. I believe that dropped in 89, but the Sexy Versus album right now was constantly getting heavy airplay along with Natalie, and it was an overall great album for Al B. By this time, his singing career was still on a high, but him, along with Mr. Kyle West, Break It Down, known for their production, worked with Tevin Campbell, Jodeci, the list goes on and on, all the great acts that they produced during that time period. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, looking back, you know, we're going to get on all that. I just think with Sexy Verses, it's a good album, but it was maybe just the timing because, you know, 92 was such a strong year for R&B, especially with, um, you know, you had Bobby Brown's third album. You had uh, Portrait's debut. Shy was doing it. Silk was still, you know, making noise. And I think he just kind of got lost in the shuffle. And, you know, you know as well as I do that you really can't take a huge gap, you know, no more than, say, like a year, year and a half maybe two, depending on how expansive your career was back in the day. Like I always talk about Ralph Tresvant taking that four year gap between his first album 
and the second album. And, you know, if you don't sell, like, I'd say four or five million back in the day, you couldn't take a four-year gap because the competition and the market was so flooded with R&B acts. You had to be able to compete. And for Al, be sure to take that long break between the second album and the third album. I think that's kind of what, you know, threw his career off a little bit because this is a quality album. You know, you folks are going to hear some dope slow jams, you know, some up-tempo hip-hop flavor joints, a little bit of New Jack Swing. So Drell and I are just going to, you know, listen to this album as grown men, you know, and not an 11-year-old boy in Catholic school and a seven-year-old. So let's get right into it. Up first is Right Now, the lead single from the album. Shores Sexy Versus album, Dope Slow Jam, with some killer production by my man Kyle West. Um, definitely one of those tracks, if I was of age back in 92, that I would add as a slow jam staple, you know, when I was out there doing my thing with the ladies. What do you think, Jarrell? Um, I'm thinking that this is definitely a strong lead-off track for your album, and like you said, it's definitely one to play on your slow jam mixtape, but you can really tell by the production that Kyle West did on the track that this was probably recorded and done right around the time when they were working on Tevin Campbell's album, which came out a year prior, because if you listen to the melody of the song, it's very similar to Alone With You. No doubt. Up next is You and I. Check this out. Heaven. Oh, oh. On earth. 
think that was track number two, You and I. It's on you, player. All right. The way that the layers of harmonies were laid out on this track, very beautiful, very lush. And this is where I'll be sure made his bread and butter. And that was slow jams, although he had kill up tempos like night and day, rescue me off on your own. But you were sure to get a young lady at the end of the night if you had this track playing and a very strong killer album cut. Yeah, I'm a co-sign. Good production. Nice vocals. Um, I like an I'll be sure kind of to um, a Keith Sweat in the sense that they may not be the strongest singers, but they know how to make their voice work for them. All right, so we're two for two. Up next is track number three, Playing Games. playing games co-produced and co-written with Devonte swing from jodeci uh, this one right here has a jodeci feel um i'm almost curious to know is this maybe a leftover jodeci track from their debut because it has jodeci written all over it a decent track like my man jarell said it's definitely a slow jam heavy album i think that's the vibe that Mr. Abishore is going for another solid track. What you think, player? Man, one of my favorite album cuts. And you know, with Devontae being from Jody C and me being from North Carolina as well, so is Jody C. Definitely gives me extra brownie points. But pay attention to the melody and the chorus of that record. It kind of sounds sort of like go back and listen to You Got Me, The Roots, and Erica Badu. Listen to the chorus of that and the chorus of this and kind of see some similarities with that, with the melodic flows that LB gives in the record. All right, up next is Natalie, another single from the album. I know she's going to be surprised. (laughs) Oh, 
doing here? Honey, close the door. It's cold. Mm, I dismissed you, honey. And I come to watch you take a bath. <laughs> come in. Yeah. You want to join me? I thought you were going to L.A. I had to see that birthmark again. I love you so much. Mm, this mm. feels good. Hey, let me wash your back. Healthy. Mm, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad you came back to play. part in the intro of the record would be foreshadowing what he's doing now with radio with his own syndicated radio show but it definitely brings back the era of having that talking part over a record and i believe this was the second single off of the album definitely a big plus in your slow jam collection and it's like a good point guard in basketball where they set you up nicely for the alley-oop for the slam dunk later in the night if you catch my drift. Oh yeah. Now this joint, um, a bit of trivia folks. He actually wrote this song about Halle Berry's character from the highly underrated New Jack Swing movie, Strictly Business. So dope slow jam, um, Al's four for four. You mentioned the um interlude, and I think for me, I don't mind interludes, but I would sometimes get irritated when it would like take forever to get to the song. I like to kind of have them separate so if he'd have the interlude with the young lady in there before the song instead of like right after the song i'd probably give it a higher rating but still a dope song i was killing it with this album up next ooh for you girl yeah
All right, that was Ooh For You Girl. Classic New Jack, classic New Jack Swing vibe. Uh, later in the song, we get guest verses from Grand Pooba and Shub Rock. So definitely check this one out on all streaming platforms to get the full song. Some dope verses from Grand Pooba and Shub Rock. I'm a New Jack Swing fan, so it doesn't sound dated to me, but I could see how most modern audiences would probably, you know, think this joint sounds a little bit dated just for the productions, but, you know, another quality song. Uh, so far, no filler. Terrell, what do you think, brother? Um, I thought, once again, it was a strong album cut, and with the way that the album is flowing right now, it kind of has the feel of Forever My Lady by Jodeci, where you start off with your ballads and then you go in with your up-tempo records. They took portions of Rescue Me, incorporated it in that, but I think what really set this song off for me was the guest verses from Grant Pooba from Brand Nubian and then Chub Rock to finish it off at the end. All right, up next, Kicking the Head. Rakim, because as we know, Rakim, known for his smooth flow, and also he was a part of one of the first rap R&B collaborations with Jody Watley and Friends back in 87, so they have I'll Be in the R. What better combination than that? Yeah, this joint, uh, Rakim does save the song. It comes across to me as a bit of filler. Um, you know, no shade, but just, you know, it's it's a it's a filler song. And that's the that's the honest truth. But, you know, when you have the first five songs already strong, you gotta have some filler in there just to, you know, keep it moving. So we got Turn You Out up next. Bye. Peace. 
You better tell her hit the road. Word out, chin a door for a sleazy. That was Turn You Out once again. I'll be hooked up with a Devontae Swing for this track. Um, the opening melody of the song and the production, it kind of comes off a bit of filler, too. I don't think this is one of Devontae's stronger you know, production tracks, but in all honesty, even on a bad day, some of Devontae's lesser stuff is better than some Cat's best stuff, but we're not going to say no names. Uh, a little bit Michael Jackson inspired. Not my favorite, but yeah, you know, I, you know I'll give him a bad track on this album, and it's, that's one of the weaker ones to me. What do you think, Jarrell? Um, I thought that this record, in the beginning, I was waiting for the song to kick in. We didn't get it into almost a little over a minute in. It sounded more like an instrumental that you probably would have heard in the background of a Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo game. And then with the basket masking part before the verse kicked in, I thought that was unnecessary. And it's a track where if I had to skip it, I wouldn't be mad if I did. All right, so we're in agreement. <laughs> Up next... See the lady. Oh, yeah, honey. Come on in so I can catch you right. Come here. Mm. Come on, come on, come on. Hurry up. Come on, come inside. Come on. Yeah. Mm, right over here. Come inside. Yeah. Sit down right there. We skipped a song, so that's actually thanks for a great time last night. So, Drell, what you think about that joint? The intro, it reminds me of pun intended intro come inside. You know, that long intro at the end of that record, the beginning reminds me of that, and it's definitely a okay record. The production I like, and it's a great filler cut. Ah, man, you know. That's my whole thing with um, long interludes was 
you know, back in the DJ days, you know, when, when you were making slow mixes, especially on slow cuts, when they would have those long, drawn-out intros before the song. And, you know, back in the day, bro, we didn't have editing software like we do now. So, like, yeah, when you were trying to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, and when you were trying to make, you know, uh, we're going to show our age here, uh, get the draws or, you know, audio cassette, you'd have to, like, play the CD from, you know, your parents' thing and time it just right. So intros would always bother me when it was in the song. If they, and like, yo, man, just put that joint separated. Just, you know, the CD's still going to be the same amount of time, but we don't got to have it before the song. So again, another filler track, not too impressed. So let's try to go back to see the lady, see if it'll play right. If I pay $3.50 to hear you, you have to please me. This is how you know you were a big deal in the 90s when you had your own 900 number. The beginning intro was a reference to I'll Be Sure's 1-900 number, and I believe it costs exactly $3.50 per minute and probably $2 for each additional minute. But it gave me vibes of House and reminiscent in some ways of It's All Right by Jodeci off of the Fever My Lady album. But overall, good, decent album cut. Definitely would have killed if they did like a real house mix to it and really did it big over in Europe with a house mix with this record.
give it, give it, give it, give it. was in a bag on that one man i wonder if this track was a leftover cut that must have been done for tevin but they decided nah this is too good we're just gonna save it for lb and put it on this album i mean kyle west his production to me doesn't really give enough credit for all the stuff that he's done and the, the overall if you had a good sound system in your car remember the days when people used to put bass in the back seat of their car or in the trunk it would not so to me a strong album cut and you can't really go wrong with a cow west production yeah man a, a nice uh grown bop you know i don't think we were saying grown and sexy back in uh 92 but it's a nice little um groove something i i think you could definitely probably play at a um cookout or even like a, maybe a, a wine and cheese party, you know, if you were doing those back in 92, but yeah, I agree, man. Strong album cut. So we're going to keep it moving to track 11, Die For You. Change. 
West production takes me uh takes me back to uh man fifth grade yeah Catholic school days man at the the dance where you had to dance you know a couple inches apart so whew, yeah that's one of them joints man if I would have heard that back in uh fifth grade man I definitely would have used that as a secret weapon track to try to max somebody back in the day uh definitely very Tevin Campbell inspired like the previous track, as you mentioned, Jarrell, I think this might have been a leftover Tevin Campbell track. It has a vibe similar to uh, Goodbye. Maybe they thought that Diary was a bit too risque for Tevin Campbell to sing, but very, very hot album track. What do you think, Jarrell? This was a cut that I think probably could have been released as maybe the fourth or fifth single had they decided to go further deep into the bag and release more singles off the album something you don't really hear a lot of now in today's music duets very strong singer that complimented Albie's voice and I could definitely hear this song being played at a school dance I grew up in rural northeastern North Carolina and for our school dances we used the cafeteria they had to scoop the tables back and the chairs and then the cafeteria floor was the dance floor. We couldn't afford a DJ, so everybody would bring their cassette tapes or have the radio playing to whatever the hot radio station was at the time. But this is definitely a song that you would use to probably show admiration for the one that you have been crushing on since kindergarten. Yeah, man. You know, let's 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 talk about how just how cool it was to grow up in the nineties going to school dances, man, where you're right, man. A lot of times you either have a school dance in the gym or in the cafeteria. I mean, and I remember in my Catholic school days, man, we would actually, uh, folks would just bring in tapes and you would just play them or you would just listen to the radio. But it was just so much fun. And like, it was so pure growing up in the 90s, going to dances and, you know, Back then, man, you were able to juggle the songs just right, and you always ended the night with a slow jam. And that's one of the things I did as a DJ. You know, when I DJed in the Air Force, um, I was the, one of the first cats to really end the night on, you know, a slow cut. And I remember cats used to get mad at me. Not that I was playing slow cuts, but they were like, man, you got to play some Kells. You got to play some some genuine in those jeans. I'm like, yeah, no, we're not doing all that. Like, my, my musical knowledge is too advanced and too strong for me to play stuff you guys already know. Like, it's a lot deeper than that. So, man. Right, so, before we go to the next cut, I want to ask, ask you one thing. Do you think that today's generations of kids have lost the art of slow dancing? I think so. Um, and because they're not really into R&B that deep like we are 
which is fine. I mean, you know, because it's a different time. Because, I mean, for me growing up, I don't know about you, I was more into R&B anyway than hip-hop growing up. Now, hip-hop came later on, but, like, you know, I'm an old soul. I always have been. So I'm listening to the Whispers, to the OJs, to the Manhattans, but I'm, like, you know, 10 and 11 years old. So that was my music, not really hip-hop early on and my son went to his first dance this year and you know this is this is before the COVID so I'm driving home you know he hits me he hits me on the cell and he's like dad I'm bored I'm like well man go ahead and walk home you know if you don't want to if you don't want to stay you ain't gotta you don't gotta stay you can go ahead and leave and even when you like um see kids nowadays I can remember going to prom being in the limo in 90, 99 was the first prom. You know, we were just chilling out, you know, we were chill, just talking, you know, being teens. But now these cats now, man, it's all about going live and posting selfies and just turning up inside the limo. It's like, we really didn't, I know I didn't do that when I was a teenager. Yeah, so, yeah I didn't man. really do that either because I think with social media now, you're not really living in the moment. The moment is you throwing it on live. You're not really enjoying it because I can remember back in like 93 when Knocking the Boots and Freak Me came out. I was eight. And the way that they had it cleverly worded, you really didn't know exactly what they were talking about. They would always give you in the window. But now everything's out in the open, so there's really no mystery into, hey, what are they talking about when they say, I want to get freaky with you or good love and body rock and knock boots all night long. And another funny thing I want to mention, I was talking with my wife, and she was saying how back in her school days, she had what was called at her school a Sadie Hawkins dance. I don't know if you're familiar with the Sadie yep. Hawkins well, I had never had that at my school and growing up, but she said it was pretty much ladies' choice. And I think that's another thing that kids don't really have now. You don't really have that sense of rejection because I remember being crushed plenty of times when the girl I liked didn't take the Valentine's card that I would give her in class or when I would go approach her for a dance, she would stiff on me like she was the Heisman Trophy and I would just go sit on the wall and play it cool. But that was all about what the 90s was all about. You just enjoyed the moment, you shoot your shot and if you got rejected, you dust yourself off and you try again. Rest in peace, Aaliyah. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I mean, even taking it a step further, um, like you were saying, with uh, different emotions and all that, and it was just so just different. <laughs> like, I can recall um, my mom always knew when I had my heart broken because I'd be playing one or two songs, either New Edition, This Is The End, or The Manhattans, Kiss and Say Goodbye. Now, if I found somebody, I'd be playing New Edition Candy Girl. <laughs> so... You know, you can just relate to the music, and I've always more in R and B because even when I even when I was single, I could relate to what somebody was talking about because I knew that Miss Wright was out there. And of course, you know, when you go through a heartbreak, you can feel the pain in their lyrics. So you know, it's nothing like R and B, nothing like growing up in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah, Let's, Johnny Johnny Gill said it best, man. Growing up could be a pain. So let's keep it moving. Track number twelve. I'll never hurt you again.
takes a real man to cry And I'm missing you so much This man is Something like it could have been sung by Tevin Campbell. It has the same elements that you probably heard on Tevin. And I think vocal vocal-wise, Tevin would have been a better fit on this album. A good album cut and definitely in the right spot for an album which is next to the last. Yeah, man, with this joint, uh, another Kawas production, I got a little bit of a uh, Michael Jackson late in my life type vibes. The way that he did the intro on this one with the rap beforehand was the perfect length. It wasn't overly long. So this one would probably work, you know, on a slow jam mix. So another decent track. And we're going to close it out with the last song, Papes in the End. Five you want it if you can
podcast. Yo, 1-900-LB, you know the rest. Getting a million calls a day and putting honeys to the test. But don't laugh, because if you pass, I'll make the grade. Let me tell you about another honey. All right, that was Papes in the End, the closing album track. Featuring Gredge, produced by three boys from Newark. A nice little hip-hop flavor track. Um, damn, I haven't heard that joint in a minute either. If I remember correctly, I don't think he actually sings in this song. I think he's spitting, um, rapping the entire joint. Nice closer, um, hip-hop flavored. I think this could have been a radio-friendly single, and I would have pushed this to hip-hop stations. Um, definitely, if I was a DJ back then, I would have worked this into my sets, especially with the uh, New Jack Swing flavor vibe. So good closer, decent album track. Terrell, what you think? Uh, for me, that would be the one track that I would um, skip. It just didn't really do it for me. It would have been a song that probably would have gotten heavy play on mix shows back in the day. And then I felt that the lyricist was good, but I felt Moni Love would have been a better fit to compliment Al B with him rhyming. But overall, a cut that just didn't really hit it for me as your closer. Because for me, a closer cut should be one where it bookends the beginning of the album and the middle of the album is like your meat in a sandwich. Okay, so that was uh, Reviews and Done. And behind the album cover, taking a look back at Sexy Verses by Mr. Albie Shore, his third studio album. And folks, I'm letting you know now, once again, that Albie actually has four albums. So he was much more than his massive success of night and day. Now with this one, he actually wasn't on Uptown. It was a uh, of Young Warner Brothers. So maybe because there was no Andre Harrell influence, that could have been why it wasn't as successful. I mean, the joint did debut at number two on the top R&B hip hop album charts and number 41 on the Billboard 200. Released in September of 92, um, like I said earlier, I think it was just the timing of the album may have been a bit off because I'm sure Darrell can co-sign it, as I said earlier. 92 was just a strong year for R&B, and you had so many cats releasing albums that you had to really bring your A game, and I think Albie just kind of got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Right. So my, go ahead. So my final grade for this is a uh, a solid. I'm gonna say a B. My top three tracks are right now, Natalie and I don't want to cry. Final grade, Rel, and your top three. All right. So with my final grade for the sexy versus album, I felt that. Coming off of the monster success of In Effect Mode three year, four years prior to this, and then the in-between album with Private Times and the Whole Nine came out in 89. This album for me, it was decent. It wasn't as strong. You had some strong album cuts, but right now, Natalie, your two lead-off singles off of the album really made the album what it was. And my top three cuts off of this album are right now, I would go with Kicking the Head 
And then I'm going to give you a sleeper. I'm going to go with Playing Games, the production by Devante. I felt that should have been released as a single. Overall, I give the Sexy Versus album, I give it a B plus. Yeah, cool, cool. Like I said, folks, it's not a bad album. You know, you just have to actually look at this brother's catalog. You know, Albie had his unsung. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing now as a radio host with the Secret Garden show. But uh, I really don't think we put enough respect on his name, similar to his producing partner, Kyle West, and for everything that he was doing in music and just the way that he uh, came out. So, you know, thanks for the memories, Al. Thanks for the dope uh, catalog. Before we close this bad boy out, Drell, where can fans find on social media? And tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Beyond the Album Cover. All right, I will definitely do that. Once again, I want to say thank you, Derek, for having me on your platform. I've been a fan of yours since you started your podcast and been wanting to do something with you, so I'm glad that we finally got the chance to do so. I'm on Facebook primarily. You can find me at Jarrell Mason, J-A-R-R-E-L-L-M-A-S-O-N. And my podcast, Beyond the Album Cover, is just a platform where I interview people inside of the music industry and just celebrate them. And it's an extension of what I was doing almost 15 years ago with The Time Machine when I was in college, which was my radio show. And I have interviews still on YouTube. So you can just type my name on YouTube. You'll find my throwback interviews that I did with Alan McNeil, Steve Russell, John John from Troop, Danny Wood, New Kids on the Block, Brooke Payne, Monica and Tara from The Girls, Tony Terry, just to name a few. And also some of those interviews have been uploaded onto Beyond the Album Cover. So you can find that on most of your streaming platforms on Anchor Breaker, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash beyond the album cover. All one word. New episodes drop every Sunday at 12 midnight mountain time. So adjust that to your time zone and look for me and follow the show page. And also follow my man, Derek, at Reviews and Done. All right, folks. This has been Derek Dunn of ReviewsandDone.net. I hope you guys enjoyed us. Taking a look back at Albie Shore's third album, Sexy Versus, as two grown men. Uh, check me out at reviewsanddone.net. Same handle on all social media handles. And as always, we're going to end this with a quote. And, you know, we're going to use a standard one that I like to use, which is keep your head to the sky, Maurice White. Till the next time, done out.